The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. The message today is the second half of a sermon preached by Brother McNeil Honey entitled Examples. Brother McNeil, who has been exercising a gift under the authority of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church for many years, brings us a very powerful sermon about the need for examples and role models in our lives. We have learned that the ultimate role model is Jesus, who never did anything wrong. But we've also learned that Earthly role models don't always get it just right, but we should continue to strive to follow those who live godly in this present evil world. Join us today for the conclusion of this sermon on examples from the book of Philippians. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Out in the cold world, away from God, no signs of
We're aspiring to the salvation that's found in Jesus Christ. And the glorious news of the gospel is that's not just an aspiration. You know, many times we quake in fear and we wonder, what if our own imperfections, what if our own arrogance, our own inability to embody the lifestyle of Jesus Christ prevents us from being saved? You know, prevents us from rejoicing with God. Or I'm here to tell you today, if you have that concern, the Lord Jesus Christ has already quickened you to life. He's washed you in His blood. And that uncertainty and that spiritual quaking and humility that we often feel when we're convicted by the Holy Spirit, that's a sign that He saved you. That's a sign that He's born you again, that He shed His blood for you, that He came down to earth not just to die for a bunch of people. No, He came down to die for McNeil Honey, who's arrogant and has own preconceived notions of how righteous He really is and has own preconceived notions of how important His life actually is. Jesus Christ died for me. And I'm just called to follow and aspire to the resurrection of the dead. You know, and Paul says in verse 12, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Jesus Christ. Remember what Paul's aspiring to. He laid out in Philippians chapter 2 the ultimate example. Again, I had a lot of older figures that I've looked up to in my life. But again, the ultimate example that I'm looking to is Jesus Christ. And that's also true for Paul. Saying, I'm looking toward the example of Jesus Christ. I'm pressing hard after that. I'm endeavoring to count everything in my life but loss, but for the knowledge of Jesus Christ. He says, but I haven't quite done that perfectly. I haven't done it perfectly. And here's another truth that the book of Philippians reveals to us. If Paul couldn't do it perfectly, I can't do it perfectly. None of us in this room can do it perfectly. Because Paul, as mighty of a man as he was, he looks at the example of Jesus Christ and he says over and over again, I haven't quite reached it. I haven't quite done it. I'm not quite there. And he says, I'm just trying to apprehend the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's, that's the best kind of goal, to diverge for a moment. Paul's talking about an example and a goal and a benchmark is the word that he uses that we'll read in a moment. The best type of goal is one that's just a little bit beyond our reach. You're setting goals for yourself. If I'm setting goals for myself, I ought to set goals that are just beyond my ability to accomplish them. We do that with many, many, many things. You know, in sports, maybe you're, you're running a certain event and your coach tells you, well, I want you to accomplish it in this time. That coach knows what he's doing. He doesn't most often tell you to try to run a time that you've already run. He doesn't tell you to run a time that you're going to accomplish easily. Your coach doesn't tell you to lift a weight that you handle with ease. No, it's a little bit of progressive overload, is it not? It's hard. 
We're striving for something that doesn't quite seem attainable. And that's the image that Paul's presenting here. Jesus Christ is perfection. I'm never going to reach it, but I'm going to keep pursuing it anyway because it is a benchmark that I ought to try to achieve. It is the ideal, the person that we should be, the person that we want to be. So Paul, he's chasing after Jesus Christ, and he says, Brethren, Philippian church, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. Paul says, I see the example that Christ laid forth for us while he lived on this earth. Paul's been writing about it. We just read about it. How Jesus Christ is the exalted Son of God. How He's of equal status with the Father. But yet He humbles Himself. And He makes His life about other people. And He's obedient to the will of the Father, even unto death. Paul sees that in crystal clear clarity through faith. And he says, that's who I'm trying to be. That's what I'm trying to pursue. And I haven't quite gotten there yet. But I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep pressing towards that benchmark. I'm going to continue to transform myself and become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. That I may know Him, as Paul says. Also the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. Our souls are starved for a knowledge of Jesus Christ. We groan for fellowship with our Master. And that's what we're pursuing. As as we transform to become more like Christ. As we become more like Christ throughout our lives, we gain a closer fellowship with Him. He says, Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything ye otherwise be minded, God shall reveal this even unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have also already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Said brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as you have for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. So third example that Paul gives us. He says, you have Christ, you have me, and you also have many of those around you. also have many of those around you. And those are all benchmarks. Those are all marks that we press toward, which help guide our behavior. We want to be more like Jesus Christ. We want to be more like perhaps a mighty figure like Paul. And in many ways, as I've experienced in my own life, we also want to be more like the mature, God-fearing believers that we see around us. Some of whom for me are in this room today. People that I've learned much from, who I've looked to and I've seen that they embody this mindset of Jesus Christ. Are they perfect? No. 
Was Paul perfect? No. Has anyone ever perfectly adopted the mindset of Jesus Christ? Perfectly conformed to the Father's will and became obedient even unto death? No, only the Lord Jesus Christ has. But those that are around us, that serve as an example, is the word Paul uses, or an example unto us, that's another model of behavior. That's another benchmark, that's another goal, that's another type of spiritual progressive overload that we pursue in this life. You know, again, he says, therefore, you're to be thus minded. This is a mindset that we adopt. It's a mindset that we adopt. Let's, let's think a little bit more about the mindset that Jesus Christ had. What mindset did he have and what did that look like? Because what does that do? Well, that helps us understand, one, the mindset that we ought to have. It helps us understand also the mindset that the examples that we look to ought to have as well. Because we have to look at the lives of people around us. And Paul challenges the Philippian church to do that. That's what he's doing here. He's saying, look at the lives of people around you. And when you see someone that has adopted the mindset of Jesus Christ as best they know how, and they are pressing towards the mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ, I want you to follow behind them and continue to obey their example until you begin to see them perhaps deviate from the mindset of Jesus Christ or you see some area of their life in which they're lacking. Then he says, I want you to go back to the example of Jesus Christ. When you're following someone and you begin to see that they're wavering a bit, he says, you have the ultimate benchmark still. Go back and look at the example of Jesus Christ. And Hebrews chapter 12 exemplifies this really well. Again, these are all passages with which many of us are familiar. We're told in verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. By the way, that great cloud of witnesses... It's a variety of things. It's those that perhaps see from the angels around us. It's the Lord Jesus Christ as he observes us. And it's also those that are around us that embody the mindset of Christ that we're following. We're compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses who are observing what we do. That great cloud of witnesses is also composed of those which look up to us as an example. So you're being observed by Jesus Christ. You're being observed by the angels, we're told. You're being observed by the examples that we all follow. And we're also being observed, honestly, most disturbingly, by the people that are watching our example. Let's think about that for a moment. When we're tempted to deviate from the example of Christ, it's important for us to remember that there are people that look up to us. Anybody that has the, the ability to look around and interpret the circumstances of this world and this life has the ability to look to someone else as an example. You have a toddler toddling around, running into the pews, falling on their face, they're still looking up to people. Those children still emulate the things that they see around them. For one, they, they, that's how children learn how to speak. 
you go study developmental psychology, the, the psychology of childhood development, what you'll find is children learn how to behave and they learn how to speak by watching other people. That, that's not something they naturally learn how to do. It's not something they intrinsically understand or know. They learn how to speak by watching other people. Here's the most basic example I can think of. I was spending some time around just a little guy. Man, he was, he was blonde. He had blue eyes, played baseball. Cutest little guy that, I mean, I've ever seen. He's just gorgeous. And so he's hanging around some older guys. And, again, he's my little cousin. You know, he's talking to me, and, and we're having a conversation. He told me, he said, you know, some of the guys that I spend time around, they use some not nice words. And he said, you know, sometimes when I get mad, he said, I want to say those words too. And he said, you know, my parents say that I can't. And this is just a little guy. He's watching the people around him. He's observing. He's one of the great cloud of witnesses that are standing around watching and waiting and looking at our example. And he's seeing a negative example and he's really struggling with whether or not to be more like that negative example that he's observing. Again, that's a, that's a pretty simple example of a child that's just emulating behavior. And I'm the same way. You know, being, hanging around the older kids, you know, I'd come back home. I'd hang out with my friends, and I'd come back home as a seven, eight-year-old. And I would be doing all kinds of stuff. And mom and dad would say, where did you learn how to do this? Say, well, we're, we're hanging out behind, you know, behind Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church, and we decided that we were going to do this, and then this happened. And I came back home, and I had taught bad behaviors to all of these other little kids, and they had taught bad behaviors to me because we were following each other's examples. So Paul says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. That's the dung, by the way, that Paul was talking about in Philippians 2. And the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Who are we to look to? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Paul says, you're engaged in this race. Every single one of us is. And that race begins when we come into this world, and that race ends when we leave it. And he says, the entire time that you, you were here, you were running the race that is your time that you spend upon this earth. And we're not physically running. We're not in some kind of physical race. No, we're looking forward to the finish line. That's what struck me about the hymns that we sang this morning. The hymns that we sang this morning that talk about the joy in death embody the mindset of Christ. Why is that? Because we're looking toward the end goal. The end goal, which is the time that we breathe our last and we depart to be in perfection forever. He says, I want you to lay aside every weight. 
and the things that easily beset you, I want you to take off with your eyes fixed upon Christ and the example of Christ and run the race till the end. Why? Because there are people watching you to see how you run. The Lord Jesus Christ is watching again. That ought to be good enough. That the Lord Jesus Christ witnesses our behavior and he sees how we spend our time and he sees how we run our race and he looks at us as the loving father that he is and he sees when we falter and when we grow tired and we stop running. And we cease to look at the finish line and we begin to think about all the aches and pains and the stitch in our side and the headache that we have and how we're thirsty and out of breath. And he sees that. Then, oh, there's a great group of people often running behind us as well. I'm sure you, as we grow older and older, that group of people only gets bigger. group of people only gets bigger. The group of people that look to us and observe how we run the race, and then they adopt our habits. They adopt our habits. What's the best way to teach a child to do anything? I'm firmly convinced, as someone that's been around a lot of older, wiser people, that the way to teach a child anything is not with your words, but with your actions. Over and over and over again. It's the way to teach me something. I will tell you that. When someone tells me to do something with their words, maybe I listen, maybe I don't. But when I see someone acting in a certain way, and I see a church flourishing, perhaps the minister, I see a family happy and at peace. I see someone walking closely with the Lord that has a finely tuned sense of spiritual discernment. Those are the people that I listen to. Because I'm looking at them and they are running their race faithfully. They were ahead of me, they are far ahead of me, and they are still running strong with their eyes fixed upon Jesus Christ. Because what? We're told that he is the forerunner. That's a word that's used to describe Jesus Christ in the book of Hebrews. We're told that he is the forerunner that goes before us. What does that mean? When we begin to falter, we look at Jesus Christ and how he ran while he was here, and we run just like he did. When we feel ourselves starting to tire and our legs begin to grow weary, we remember that Jesus Christ, he despised the pain. He cast aside the shame, and he still followed through on the will of the Father. As a perfect human being, he looked at the cross and he saw the pain that was contained in it. Jesus Christ understood that. You see him in John chapter 12 and also in the Garden of Gethsemane crying out to God. Yes, that's a mysterious passage, but I don't think it's mysterious as we often try to make it. Jesus Christ understood that there was pain in the cross. And he cried out to God in preparation for that pain. There's another part of his example to us. When the moment comes where we are required to sacrifice all for the Father's will, let's fall on our face and beg the Lord for strength to help us. You know, when we were in Romans chapter 12, not last time I was with you, but the time before when I was with you all, which I, I, I don't expect you all to remember. I remember because I have a spreadsheet. 
with all the, all the passages that I've used. And I looked back through, by the way, to make sure that I wasn't going to read from a similar passage or anything like that. And I also looked at the podcast, too, to make sure that there hadn't been any messages you know, on this particular subject. Uh, but I think the podcast is a bit behind, I think is what I found out. Uh, and and there's, there, uh, so maybe you guys have read from Romans chapter 12 here recently. But Paul, he's talking about sacrifice. And it's something that struck me over and over and over and over and over again in the last one to two years. Because what I'm trying to do right now and what I'll be trying to do throughout the rest of my life and what all of us are trying to do is adopt this attitude that tells us that we can give up everything to pursue Christ and it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. We can set aside all of the distractions and those weights and we can run after Christ and it's still a reasonable service. And that's how Paul entitles it in Romans, the 12th chapter. You know, he says, I, I beseech you therefore, brethren, and we're going to have to beseech each other to try to do this. Because again, we've talked about this already. It is in defiance of our natural nature to set our pride to the side and pursue the concerns of Christ. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. He says, I'm beseeching you now and I pray that God would just have mercy on you to continue to do this. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Did not Christ do this? He provided His literal body as a literal sacrifice, and His blood flowed upon the altar that was the cross to pay a blood sacrifice and atone for the sins of God's people. He literally offered His body up. He says, I want you to take your life and what it is and the essence of what it's about, and I want you to just give it up and simply pursue the example of of Christ. Orient your focus away from yourself and outwards and upwards as you pursue his example. He says, don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect. What? Will of God. See, that's what, that's what we're following after. Jesus Christ, he says, I came not down from heaven to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Paul says, do you want to know what that will is? Take all that you have, give it up, understand that in doing so, you're not going to be conformed to the world, and prove what the will of God is. As we draw our thoughts to a close, briefly mention what we've discussed this morning. We need examples. We really do. You know, we're told in the book of Proverbs that where no vision is, the people perish. We need some sort of benchmark for our behavior. We need some sort of benchmark. We need some sort of example. And that's demonstrated to us early on as the smallest children. You know, when infants began to speak, when they begin to walk, you know, some of that's ingrained within their biology, but they also learn to do it by watching other people. And then they develop the strength to do so. And they see people standing upright, 
You know why infants begin to start standing upright? Because they begin to reach up for people. You all have seen this. An infant's lying there on their back. They develop the strength to lift their head. They develop the strength to lift their arms. Y'all, I have five younger siblings. I've seen this so many times. And they, they, they begin to sit up. And maybe they roll over on their belly first and they start to push themselves up to an upright position. And then what do they do? They start reaching up for their parents. They start reaching up for their parents. One of my proudest moments as an older sibling, I'm going to tell about this to the day that I die, is my youngest sister, Elena, she took her first two steps to me. Whenever I need something to, to pull out, when, you know, when I'm having a discussion with my parents, I tell them, remember, Elena took her first two steps to me. Because she started reaching for people. She started observing how we were walking around. She followed our example, and she took her first steps. My first word was dear. If that tells you anything about the way my family likes to spend their spare time. Because I had heard it over and over and over again. And I learned and I saw that it, when it was time to go deer hunting, I was bundled up, wrapped up in three or four blankets, and I went too. And when I started talking, when I started observing the example of people around me, that was my first word. Spiritually, we do the same thing. We look to the example of Christ. We look to the example of those around us. And we follow after with our eyes fixed upon Christ. Pray this morning that we would run the race that is set before us. Not looking inward for our strength, but rather looking outward unto those which run faithfully before us and also looking upward to Jesus Christ. He ran he reached the end of his race, and at the end of his race, he did exactly what all of us will do. He ascended to the presence of the Father. That's why we're not concerned about what the finish line looks like for all of us. Because Jesus Christ showed us what it looked like. When he finished his race, he went to rejoice in the presence of the Father. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com that's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.